Good morning and welcome to Wow Living Radio. I'm Todd Miller on Listen Up Talk Radio. And you will not want to miss today's topic. Of course, Margaret Wallace Duffy joins us. Good morning, Margaret. Good morning, Todd. Always a pleasure to be here. Children's mental health. What um, what a topic. Uh, we have limited time this morning, but we um, we have an awesome guest and we really just wanted to uh, spread the word of what's happening with, um, and I'm sure most people can recognize that there seems to be a bit of a crisis with the mental health of children and youth today, Margaret. Indeed, and both as a mother and as a therapist with over 22 years of clinical experience, I, you know, Todd, I'm a passionate advocate uh, for mental health and family, and it certainly starts with our children. They are our future, and that is why we are so honored and very excited uh, to welcome our special guest this morning, uh, Dr. Lena Ajameri, who is the Director of SNAP Scientific and Program Development at the Child Development Institute in Toronto. Dr. Ajameri, welcome to WOW Living Radio. Todd and Margaret, thank you. It's a pleasure being here. Well, we are so excited uh, to sit down with you this morning, and I know we're just going to hit the tip of the iceberg. Uh, your wealth of knowledge, um, research, and experience for the past 29 years, um, it, we're not going to be able to do it all justice, but this is just the beginning. So where I'd like to start is really hearing from you, why do you have a passion for mental health and children, and, and what sort of has inspired your life's work? Well, that's a really interesting question. Um, first of all, I just believe that people have the power to change and that we need to really think about um, how to invest in our children and our families. Um, and mental health is a really critical problem. And, um, and I think the work that's being done out there more and more about destigmatizing mental health and people being able to talk more about it is so important so that we can help uh, help our children grow and help them thrive um, because we do believe that everyone has the power to change and uh, and that starts uh, that power that I talk about about changing has to do with teaching children how to use their emotion regulation their self-control their problem-solving that's just one part of the puzzle <clears throat> excuse me in regards to that but my passion started is um, I have three brothers I grew up in uh, a community just outside of Toronto, and it was interesting. That community I thought was a lovely community, but today that community is ridden with a lot of violence and um, that's going on in that community. And I was always fascinated by how in one family you could have some children who are thriving and resilient and doing really well, and then some children are struggling. And so that was always a passion of mine to figure out what was it about those children, what are the risk factors, what are the protective factors? What are the promotive factors that help influence healthy child development and keep these kids in school and out of trouble? That's a little bit of my background there. Well, and you can just hear the passion in your voice and the commitment to your work. And, and it's such important work, as you're saying. The stats are staggering. One in five children, um, youth under the age of 19 in Ontario, struggle with mental health issues. One in five of our kids, Dr. Ajameri, I, I certainly have seen this in my clinic, and of course you're seeing this day-to-day -day in your work. It, it is really a huge problem. It is a huge problem. So when you talk about one in five children uh, will develop a mental health disorder, what we also know is that 25% of them will display highly disruptive behaviors, 
characterized like of conduct problems. We're talking about kind of antisocial behavior, aggression type of rule breaking. And what we know from the research is that 75% of these children are in danger, danger of continuing going down a path towards criminal behavior, incarceration, or serious mental health concerns. Um, so we really need to figure out how to get these kids on the right track, get them off the track they're on, and how do we provide them with effective evidence-based services um, because they deserve the best. These children and families deserve the best in order to try to figure out how to help them and how do we keep them in school and out of trouble so that they can have a wonderful, healthy um, future ahead of them. And so when you talk about the numbers, the numbers are staggering. For example, we know that, for example, in Ontario alone, kids with uh, conduct-type problems are estimated around 37,000 kids and about, I think it's around 270,000 kids have what we call disruptive behavior problems or oppositional defiant disorder. So I think we have to really kind of think about how do we work with these children that need our help and how to get them to the door of appropriate services. You raise such a good point, and I know that there's a saying that all of us have heard that it, it takes a village to raise a child, and I truly believe that this is a societal responsibility, um, you know, both in our homes, our schools, our communities. We do have to band together um, to, to make a difference and an impact, because I agree with you, every child deserves to live a healthy, full life. So. As a community, what are some of the markers or warning signs that we can be looking for um, so we can catch these children at risk? Because I do understand from your research that we do have a good window of opportunity to help these children, don't we? We absolutely do have a great opportunity to help these kids. And one of the programs I'd like to talk about is SNAP, which stands for Stop Now and Plan. But let me just share a little bit about the markers that you're asking about. So the kids that we're concerned, we know that the sooner you get these kids to the door of mental health services or community-based organizations that can help them, the better their life chances. And it does take a village. I believe that every one of us has a responsibility, whether you're a parent, a neighbor, a family member, your school, um, your community organizations. We all have a responsibility to try to help get these kids to the right door and get them the help they need. So clear markers, for example, that we see, there's all kinds of risk factors, and so I'm not just going to, so this is not exhaustive by any means, but for example, when a child is having, especially young kids under the age of 12, because the sooner we get them the help they need, the hopefully we're stopping them from flipping into more serious mental health, mental health problems or flipping into the juvenile justice system. So problems in multiple settings, like home, school, community, uh, poor performance at school, kids who lack emotional regulation, self-control, problem-solving, you know, kids who may have uh, frequent outbursts of anger or rage, or those kids who are also on the other spectrum, those who are experiencing extreme isolation, withdrawn, you know, anxiety, isolation. So I think we have to also think about, you know, um, how to keep them safe. So those are just some examples of, of clear markers. You know, there is, there is a very, very clear thing, and you did say it takes a village to raise a child, and I absolutely be, believe it's societal's responsibility to kind of help that and figure out how to get these kids the help they need. Now, there is a clear thing which I think is very interesting. It came out of the state, United States. It was called Seven Years of Warning, and it's seven years of warning before a juvenile or a child becomes a serious violent offender. 
So what they found is those kids who ended up in court at around 17, uh, sorry, at around 14.5 for committing a serious violent offense, when they look back at their records, those kids started having problems as young as five and six. Now, we've got to be careful not to think that all five- and six-year-olds who are having a difficult temperament are going to go down that pathway. It's not the case. But those kids who had very extreme issues at around five or six, where, you know, kindergarten teachers are a perfect, perfect, perfect uh, group that are able to tell you which kids they should be concerned about and which ones we need to red flag as, you know, being concerned and getting the help they need. So what ends up happening is they start having serious behavior problems around six, by about 9.5, which is the mean age of kids coming into our SNAP program, they end up um, having their first contact, you know, for committing, you know, not committing an offense, but have serious behavioral problems. Maybe they're starting to engage in more lying, maybe some stealing behavior, more aggressive type of behavior, serious bullying. And just before their 12th birthday, um, they get in trouble with the police. Mm-hmm. And those are the kids that you see. So it's seven years of warning. So think about how many individuals this child could have come in contact with during that seven-year period, teachers, family members, mental health professionals, et cetera. So it really behooves us to think about how do we get these kids the help they need so they get off that trajectory or they get off that path. Yeah, that's so powerful. And, you know, it is, it's empowering. I mean, it is a big topic and it is very overwhelming for families. This affects families. um, When you have a child that's struggling, a parent uh, and an entire family struggles too. So this is why I'm so excited to talk about your work with the SNAP program. Can you speak to what is SNAP and I'm blown away by the testimonials and the difference that this program is making. Uh, Please tell us about it. Absolutely. So SNAP stands for Stop Now and Plan. It is, so in a nutshell, it's a proven program that teaches children with behavioral problems and their parents how to make better choices in the moment. Because it's in that moment that kids typically make some bad choices. Mm -hmm. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to get kids to stop and think before they act and come up with choices that are going to make their problems smaller instead of bigger, not hurt anyone themselves or anything, and still feel really good about how they handled it. So SNAP was designed about 29 years ago, and it is um, a family-based program where we work with the families, so we work with the parents, we work with the child, we work with their siblings, We work with their school, um, and we work with their community to make sure that that child learns the skills they need in order to stay in school and out of trouble. And the focus really is on that emotional, um, dealing with emotional uh, regulation, self-regulation, self-control, problem-solving is really is a key piece because what we know is a lack of self-control in kids does lead to problems later. And really what we have found um, in the research is sometimes is that self-control is often a crucial and often missing ingredient for success in most treatment programs. But really, SNAP was built around that entire premise that we need to teach these kids how to stop and think before they act. It's very interesting because my clinic, uh, Wallace for Wellness, just hosted a mindfulness training workshop last night, and we were talking about this exact topic to where we can, as adults, but we were talking about our youth as well, being in the moment to stop be mindful 
and wait before reacting. And uh, it is a skill that needs to be worked on and it is doable. And that's, as we said at the very top of this interview, everybody has the ability to change. Um, this is really powerful. One of the things I love about this program and it's very evidence-based, um, I'm looking at in front of me some brain scans that were done at the University of Toronto and Hospital for Sick Children, um, Dr. Lewis being one of the doctors. Can you speak to really actually what's happening in our brains? Um, Absolutely. So what if I told you that in 12 weeks we can actually help children start to change or rewire how they think? Oh, and that's what SNAP does in just 12 weeks. And that was that study that you're referring to that Dr. Lewis, uh, Granite, and Woltring uh, and um, Stephen really kind of focused on with our children. What they basically did is they looked at our children pre-treatment and they did these, um, these um, exercises and it had to do with emotion regulation. And before treatment, what they found was that the children who are coming into our program really we're processing more from what they call the ventral region of the brain, which is your fight-flight type of thing. It's where you kind of don't stop and think. It's where you um, need to gain more emotional regulation, but you're not. And in just 12 weeks, after going through the SNAP program, the first phase, which was the group component, they actually tested the kids again. And they actually saw from these brain imaging studies that the children were starting to process from another region of their brain, which is what you call your executive function, which is more your dorsal region, which is kind of your frontal lobe area. is um, I hope I'm doing that justice here because um, I'm not a neurologist. But basically what they found was those kids started to process more clearly from that part of the brain where you actually stop and you think and you use more executive function to process. And they start to see a decrease in that ventral region of the brain, which is your fight-flight, which was absolutely amazing. Yeah. So that was one really uh, key piece of the, of the SNAP research that I think is really powerful. The other thing was, we, you know, what, another kind of gold standard piece of research is what we call, um, is what we call um, random control trials, where you randomly assign children to two different conditions and see which one works best. And... We have uh, engaged in a number of gold standard random control trials, and what they found was that actually SNAP outperformed treatment as usual, which means that the kids in the SNAP program actually did far better on rule-breaking, conduct problems, aggression, and externalizing problems, as well their anxiety decreased significantly. So those are really important studies that are telling us what's actually working, for whom, and how does this, or who does this work best for? And then the last study, which I think is really cutting edge, is a cost-benefit study. Given limited resources, you know, government has only so much money, and um, we have to think about where do we get our biggest bang for our buck. And we end up finding that the, this just got published this week by Dr. Uh, David Farrington and Dr. Chris Kogel. These are uh, renowned criminologists, and Dr. Farrington is from Cambridge University. In England, he did a cost-benefit study on SNAP and found that um, with just getting um, a small magnitude of change in the SNAP kids, which means a 0.4 magnitude of change, which means from pre- to post-treatment, how much change is actually occurring in these kids, mm -hmm. he found that he linked that to a 33% reduction in crime after the SNAP yeah. program, which you could save approximately $147,000 per boy 
if they don't go down that juvenile justice system. So it translates into something like for every dollar spent on SNAP, you can save approximately $32. And that actually amount is underestimated because it only took into account juvenile justice costs and not all the other associated costs such as mental health, health, education, etc. So I think those are kind of landmark studies and when we look at effective treatments, we have to look at does it work, for whom does it work, um, how does it work, and is it cost effective? Yes, this is all very, you know, inspiring and creating hope for so many families, not just in Canada, but worldwide. <laughs> Todd, we knew that we had a shorter period of time with Dr. Ajamari today, and we, we've only hit the tip of the iceberg. There's so much more uh, to discuss, and we hope that you will come back with us, not only on Wow Living Radio, but we're going to put a shout out there to all of our listeners right now. We want to find the funding so we can do a three-part series with you, Dr. Ajamari, so we can really dig in deep and really look at what this program is doing and examine how we can help families to really empower them them to make a difference in the mental health of their children and ultimately of all of our communities. Would that, you come back? That, uh, absolutely. And I'd love to share with you what our vision is, um, how we're going to, or how we're um, planning to grow SNAP so that every community across Canada um, who needs a SNAP program can actually get one. And that was through our initiative with the PICO Center for Social Impact. And be delighted to speak to you more about it. And I think the key thing that I'd like to leave you with is that we all know someone with a mental health problem. I think each and every one of us knows somebody. And mental health um, costs Canada $51 billion a year. So we have to think about how do we do what we do and how do we do it the best we can to help our children and families. Uh, absolutely. Now, Todd, I know that you've got so much to add. Do you have a question for Dr. Ajamari before we, we finish up here today? I just want to, you know, my two cents would be, I think as a society right now, we can all agree that mental health problems are on the rise. Uh, dollars associated with mental health are, are scattered everywhere. And I think a program like SNAP would, would help, uh, you know, use that crucial funding for a much better, uh, more effective program instead of the justice system. Just imagine the millions of dollars we could save in the justice system. But, you know, we're also raising ill-prepared future leaders. We've got kids that are, are ill-prepared for conflict and for change and for disappointment. And I think, I think uh, we need to do a better job at that. I agree. And you know what? There is a lot going on with regards to how we actually help our kids and families because SNAP is one solution. It's not the only solution. So we have to think about how do we improve what we do in our education system? How do we improve what we do with mental health? And how do we actually support these kids, not only when they're under 12, that latency age group, because we know that's such a critical phase. We often call those kids the forgotten group. But how do we then support them through those critical transition phase from elementary to high school mm. and then from high school to young adulthood i think there's that that that, that we just can't forget about those very very important different phases so i agree with what you're saying todd absolutely and and you know as a parent and as a practitioner we're going to be doing another interview with the mother who who has had her own experience with mental health and and now her child and who unfortunately is now dealing with the justice system but um 
you know, there still is hope for him. And you're absolutely right. Through that transition now um, into his high school years, what can we do as a society to help? We're going to continue this conversation. And for all of our listeners at home, if you want more information, um, please go to stopnowandplan.com and also to childdevelop.ca. You can certainly reach out to Dr. Lena Ajamari at the uh, Child Development Institute in Toronto. Uh, be sure to follow on all the social media uh, platforms. We will be sharing uh, this interview. We encourage you to do the same so that we can really continue this conversation. And hopefully in early part of 2015, we will be doing a three-part series on WOW Living TV and radio with you, Dr. Ajamari. We know how busy you are. Um, thank you for taking the time out of your day and continue doing the incredible work that you're doing to make an impact on the health and well-being of our kids. You're very welcome and thank you for bringing this message loud and clear out there because I think that our children are our most important investment we can. You betcha. Well, Todd, it's been just another great show here on Well Living Radio. Um, I'm heading out now because we are spreading random acts of wellness, Todd. The well uh, the wow factor wave is about to land. I can't tell you where, but tune into social media because you will see the impact we're having on the mental, physical, and emotional well-being of Canadians. It's the small gestures that count too, you know, like those ones. You betcha. All right, well, thank you very much again for tuning in. We're going to bring another great topic to you shortly. You're listening to Wow Living Radio on Listen Up Talk Radio. Have a great day. Have a great day.